work with my clients based off of my experiences. Let's figure out what you're doing, what you love to do. Let's improve your quality of life. Let's get you strong, whatever that means to you, if you're physically active or not. And let's get interested in understanding what's going on in our body and how to make this work for the long term. Welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Mitchell. I am so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind. Hey there, thank you for joining us this week. Sports nutrition. It may be a topic that you think is beyond your needs, but there are so many questions when it comes to what pre-workout supplement should I be taking? Do I need a pre-post-workout snack supplement? What is the best electrolyte drink I should be drinking when I'm sweating? and so many more. We talk with registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics, Lindsay Distel. She takes an evidence-based and compassionate approach to help her clients achieve their unique performance, recovery, and lifestyle goals. I loved picking her brain for all my questions. This is a fun conversation, so I can't wait for you to hear it. Well, Lindsay, it is so great to have you on the show with us. Will you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do? Yes. Hello. Thank you for having me, Stacey. I am Lindsay. I am a registered dietitian. I have been practicing for eight years. I am also a board certified specialist in sports dietetics and a CrossFit coach and athlete. What drove you toward that direction? Oh, such a great question. So food and fitness has always been a really central part of my family growing up. My dad took me to the gym when I was in high school. I remember he would wake me up at 4 or 5 a.m. We would go and we would train. I was always injured. I played team sports, lacrosse, field hockey, snowboarding freestyle. And my dad was like, we got to get you into fitness, get you stronger. And I was so grateful for that introduction to fitness, looking at it retrospectively, because at that time, high school, as you know, is kind of that critical time for a lot of females and their bodies start to change. People start, you start paying attention to these unsolicited comments about your body. So as my friends and my my uh, my teammates were running miles and miles. I was really into just lifting heavy weights and eating food. <laughs> so my dad and I, when we were at the gym, we'd talk about what do we want to cook for the rest of the week? What is on the menu? What sounds good to us? And that just became part of our routine. So he taught me how to cook and the flavors that go well together. And that's something that I continue to use today. I love cooking, love flavors. Um, and so 
anyways, I, I went to college, away to college. I started out as a music major of all things oh my God. and was still very into fitness. I did Olympic weightlifting uh, and tried to run marathons, which are really on the polar end of the spectrum. You got one endurance um, training piece, and then you have a more strength and power training and I realized, well, I can't eat the same way that I can for both of these. So that was one of the reasons why I decided to enter the field. And then the other reason was all of a sudden I had developed this really rare autoimmune condition that just flipped everything upside down. So I became really curious understanding how to nourish my body, not only for this, these different sports, but also for my health and learn what's going on. Why is this happening? Um, and how I can make sustainable changes while also identifying, is this going to mentally be healthy for me as well? Because nutrition is a slippery slope. And a lot of times people can take it to the extreme and that's something I wanted to be educated on. So I switched from music to uh, dietetics and just never looked back, loved what I was learning, had a lot of providers in my journey that were telling me what to eat, what not to eat, or here's a meal plan and go forth and prosper. And that is Something that I can confidently and comfortably say I do not do. <laughs> I work with my clients based off of my experiences. Let's figure out what you're doing, what you love to do. Let's improve your quality of life. Let's get you strong, whatever that means to you, if you're physically active or not. And let's get interested in understanding what's going on in our body and how to make this work for the long term. Right. Um, I'm still laughing how you're like, what not to do? I don't do that. <laughs> With your autoimmune disease, do you find that nutrition plays a critical role in how you feel? Yes. And with, with a lot of, of individuals' conditions, I, the biggest piece is adequacy. Like you can get into the nitty gritty of micronutrients, but what I see so often, so my specialty too is like sports nutrition, give me your most complex individual. And for whatever reason, there is this pattern with high at level athletes and hyperpituitary access dysfunction, like um, hypothyroidism, for example, or the random development of other autoimmune conditions, I have seen a lot. I'm not saying that if you do this, this is going to happen, but I see this. And people just aren't eating enough. Or they think they are, but there still is some relative energy deficiency that's occurring around that athletic event or at some point during the day that is really tipping them into uh, 
a part where their body doesn't feel safe. And your body needs to feel safe to be able to perform adequately. Um, if you are undernourishing, your body has inflammation. If you're overnourishing on extremes, your body has inflammation. And how do we make your body feel safe and in, in balancing that um, is the biggest thing that is very beneficial. And I cannot state enough. And with athletics, the other piece of the mix is just <laughs> when you're in a fight or flight state, your body or operating at a high heart rate, your body is sending blood flow to your muscles and your extremity. It's not focusing on digestion. So using hunger as, hey, I got to eat this meal is not always the best indicator. There is this level of practical nutrition that has to come into play for people. Right. And there's this mindset around... Um being in athletics, whatever type it may be, you know, of the training, work harder, have more motivation, keep on at it. But we tend to forget about how to fuel our bodies, whether it's in kids' sports or college level or high-level training beyond. Um, nutrition and fueling your body can be missing a lot of the times. Yeah. And... The other thing that is really tricky for a lot of people to grasp their head around is you, and this is for anything, even outside of new, out of sports nutrition, is you can't eat the same way somebody next to you is eating, but it becomes so much, uh, it's, it's harder with athletes and the pure amount of food that you actually need to be eating for your body to sustained and supported right um just this past basketball season when I was watching college basketball and also high school basketball there were two instances where my team did horrible <laughs> and I'm like they look really tired and in my mind I was thinking they need a sports dietitian I'm I Wonder if they were getting fueled properly during the week. Are they hydrated enough? Like, what did their sleep look like? What what have they been eating in the course yeah. of the week? Like, it's not just the event. It There's a huge buildup. And yeah. it's so important. It is a superpower. So I always joke around with people. I I am athletic. I love training. And... It brings me so much joy, and it also brings me understanding to just the pure demands that go into training for athletic events. I always joke around with people of the reason why I have so much endurance and strength is I think I just eat. I think I just have a general foundation and that education, and it really is a superpower um, on the flip side, now bear in mind, I'm, I'm a board certified sports dietitian. I recently did a marathon row, which takes around four hours, three, four hours to complete. And I was like, had no concept of how long it would take on a row. Rower. And oh I'm like, I don't need anything. I'm just going to sip on water. It's, it is very chaotic to try to figure out how to hydrate on, on an erg or a rower. Like, it's fine. And then 
finished the rowing midway through, you can really feel a bonk when there isn't food. Like muscles started to cramp two hours in. Every time I would extend and pull on the rower, my quads cramped. Mm -hmm. By the end, I was doing it with a friend of mine. We were trying to talk through sentences, totally not cohesive whatsoever. Finished in the evening. Somebody came up, tried to talk to me. I said, good morning. <laughs> so like, one of the things, your your concentration decreases and you're not adequately fueled before, during, after, depending on the duration of the activity. Um, and cramps is a big one that can happen to people. And then I experienced just massive fatigue for the rest of the, the week because of its effects on your um, hyperpituitary axis and fatigue, you know? Yes. And at that time when you notice it, it's almost too late. You know, it's... It's too late, yeah. Yeah. I saw the, um, at the high school basketball game, I was with my son, and one of the basketball players started cramping really bad. Like, they had to stop the game. It was to the extreme, and I thought, oh, he's not hydrating right, you know what I mean? All these things are going through my head. And at that age, they don't know the, the basic for their level of sport activity. It gets a little hard. It is. The cramping thing is interesting. So a lot of people think, oh, I have a cramp. I'm going to have a banana. It's going to fix my okay. cramp. But it's actually sodium more often than not. On average, in my experience, I see uh, endurance athletes or or people that are doing high-intensity activity, like start-stop start, activity, for example, basketball, lacrosse, really any team sport. Those events are lasting an hour plus typically for people. Um, or if you're running a half marathon or a marathon, in my experience, most of those athletes are going to be losing somewhere between 750 milligrams of sodium. So what is that if I was to divide? A teaspoon is 2,300. Like a third of a teaspoon of salt wow. to um, a half of a teaspoon of salt per hour based on your sweat rate. If you're a heavy sweater, then you are going to be on the higher end of the spectrum. If you are um, a lighter sweater, you might even be below that level of the spectrum. But I usually ask, are, is your shirt drenched in sweat? When do you start to experience cramps? What sources of food do you eat that have sodium to them? What are you drinking for during your events? Can we try an electrolyte beverage? Uh, and that often can be really helpful with people. And sometimes outside of that, it, it does come down to you're just not eating enough during the day, and that might be contributing to your cramps. Do you have a favorite elect electrolyte fluid that you recommend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. So I actually, for anybody that's listening and interested, because it is massively confusing, but I do have an free electrolyte chart that has over 30 
uh, electrolyte beverage products that have been analyzed and it has my recommendations and thoughts on them. And that is in my link in my Instagram bio, Lindsay Distal underscore Artie. Um, I have many. So for light sweaters, people that don't really sweat that much, but they're maybe out running for an hour or you're playing team sports, but you're a light sweater. Uh, I really like scratch hydration. That's a fantastic, that's a food-based uh, hydration supplement. Um, a moderate one that I suggest for people that are like, I'm not really sure. I sweat a lot, but not quite sure. Then liquid IV is somewhere in the middle. And then for my heavier sweaters, LMNT is an electrolyte product that has a thousand milligrams of sodium in it, but it doesn't have a carbohydrate source in it. So I always kind of bring that up to people. If you're doing endurance events, you're going to need a carbohydrate source to really fuel that activity and also help the, the sodium, potassium, and magnesium get into your body where it needs to get so that it can use it effectively. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I love hearing that. Um, what type of clients are you seeing at the semi-pro level or anyone and everyone who is in, interested in the sports activity? A little bit of both. I have kind of your weekend warriors that I work with, and then I have up to elite athletes. Um, my bread and butter truly is CrossFit. I am a massive nerd, and for that, understanding the energy systems, and because it's the sport that I do too, I have a lot of understanding in how do you practically apply sports nutrition to this activity, but it's just so fascinating. You can be doing France for these athletes, for an elite athlete, Fran is 21-15-9 of thrusters with a barbell and then pull-ups. That's going to be a sub three workout minute workout. It's a sprint. Um, and then up to that marathon row, which is three or four hours. But yeah, I work primarily with uh, any athlete, all varying levels. And like I said early on, I love a good complex case <laughs> thinking through the science. And I keep, you can't see this, but I have a stack of textbooks right next to me. I have my nutritional biochemistry textbook. I have my sports nutrition textbook. I have my general Krauss. I don't know if you use Krauss yes. for your, yeah, it's like the textbook that you get as an undergraduate. But those are all next to me and I will pull them out. I'll think about someone. Um, who was interesting that I had recently? Oh, there's so many. I I have had someone that is really struggling with their recovery that is a 
competitive athlete in local CrossFit competitions. So they're more, it's more than your weekend warrior, not quite to the elite level, but they're really struggling with their recovery and they're noticing just persistent fatigue throughout the day. And we were looking at, okay, you're getting enough. That's the base of the, the pyramid. Everything's distributed throughout the day adequately. And then I'm listening to some of the things that are going on and I'm like, I think we need to just get like check you for MTHFR deficiency. And we did. And that ended up being the thing that really was missing for them in terms of their recovery. Okay. So, so it's weird when I pull out the books, I'm like, this is, oh, this could be where it ends up going. Yeah. And explain a little bit more about that. Methylene tetrafolate reductase. This is a rate-limiting enzyme in the methylation cycle. So methylation, if you go back to um, transcribing genes, okay, the genes are pulled apart like you're unzippering your jacket to be red. And as they're red and transcribed, your body chooses where to put a hat on one of the genes so that you're covering it and you're keeping it safe so that it isn't red. So you, you could be a carrier for a specific gene. Say that you have uh, a, well, which one is it? The BRCA gene for breast cancer in your family. You could be a carrier, but that gene might not be expressed. And this methyl tetrafolate reductase, reductase helps cover up some of those genes. So on a basic level, something is not or is being transcribed. And for whatever reason, that was the case for this person. And it's hard to describe the clinical reasoning as to what brought us to that point, other than B vitamins, which are a major driver of this pathway, being something that had historically been deficient in this person. So we were like, I don't know, this could be something worth exploring. And it ended up working. <laughs> that makes you feel like a superhero when you, ha when you help out that. <laughs> like I said, give me your most complicated people and I will figure it out. I might not have the exact answer right up front, but it is like a fun puzzle. Yeah, it is fun to figure everything out. Um, when you're helping your clients, are workout supplements, like pre-workout, post-workout supplements, are those necessary? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like oh, that. No. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, food is energy. So that's really that's really my philosophy. Food is your best pre-workout. Um, the closer that you get to your athletic events, just generally, we want to um, be very thoughtful around the amounts of dietary fat and fiber because it's going to slow down digestion. 
And as I said earlier, when you're active, your blood flow is diverted to anywhere but your digestive system. And we want to get a quick source of carbohydrate, like toast, a banana, cereal, for example, in your bloodstream, like that. Um, but yeah, I generally don't recommend pre-workouts. Branched-chain amino acids are use, like kind of useless. <laughs> There isn't a lot of literature on that. That's a big misconception in the fitness industry is I need to be taking branched chain amino acids. Uh, you have them floating around in your body if you had a meal before. So that you don't need. And then pre-workout caffeine is also very uh, researched, but you can just have a cup of coffee or green tea. It's more cost effective. Usually I will recommend if people already have practiced caffeine and they don't have any gastrointestinal distress, somewhere between 100 to 3, upwards to 300 milligrams. Anything beyond that for a lot of people tends to have negative side effects of gastrointestinal distress or very, very um, anxious. There are times... On Sundays mornings when I don't eat enough and I have, like, the coffee hangover. Like, I'm like, whoa, I need to eat some food here because the caffeine is too much. <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. and that's the other piece of caffeine is it is an, ap it is an appetite suppressant. Yeah. Coffee, is not a coffee is not a meal. It will never be a meal. It will never be something that's going to power you through your workout. I'd love to hear that because... Uh, there are so many supplements out there marketed like you need to have this before your workout. You need to have this after your need after your workout. You need to have this in the evening to recover properly. And you're spending two hundred plus dollars just on these supplements per month, if not more. And we don't even know what ingredients are in these supplements. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is a crazy hectic industry for certain. And part of the hats that I wear as a sports dietitian is looking into specific third-party tested supplements for my athletes that are specifically NSF-informed or informed sport. And you do have to look for that label because if you were to go through a random drug test then because these supplements might have uh, weird blends in them or undeclared ingredients that poses a risk for the athlete to not be able to compete so we really need to look critically on what does the literature say about this supplement is there a pro to taking it and if we do choose to take it then which ones are going to be the safest products that fall underneath these umbrellas? Um, what's a message that you kind of have to keep repeating to your clients? Oh, yeah. So my main message is bodies perform best when they are physiologically and psychologically aligned. I love that. That's great. Um, and on your social media feed, any popular reels or posts that you've, you've gotten maybe comments or likes with them 
Yeah, I was kind of looking through earlier today, and I think the ones that resonate a lot with just generally with my population is when I use humor to educate. I just love taking either misconceptions around nutrition and making them into a joke. Hopefully I'm not hurting anybody, but it, <laughs> I'm trying to make fun of it. Or if I'm taking an uncomfortable conversation around food and body image and turn it into something that feels lighter and more and approachable for my, my um, audience. But I think, and the, my followers it's interesting because I don't understand the algorithm fully. I'm still trying to learn it. Right. But I have uh, some of my most popular ones, like I've been singing in one of them. I have one that is thinking you're dying from a terminal illness, but in reality, you ate a fiber bar and cheeseburger <laughs> 30 months before yes. <laughs> your practice. Let's explain a little bit more about who you work for. Yes. So I work for a private practice called No Diet Dietitian. It's got a nice little ring to it, zone it. Yes. And we are a group of, I think we're going to have 10 or 11 dietitians soon. It is a really comprehensive group of ladies currently that have different specialties. So we have some that focus more on eating disorders. And then we have one that does pediatric nutrition. We also have another one that specializes in hypothyroidism, one that specializes in PCOS and women and um, endometriosis, just a variety, a spread across the board. And then you got me, the sports dietitian. So it's fun to have a client and work with them. And then if I kind of reach my level of expertise, be able to comfortably and confidently uh, get them on one of my colleagues' schedules so that we can collaborate and get them the best comprehensive care possible. That is awesome. And what a great name. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> the owner, Valerie Goldberg Liberati, like, she she named it well. <laughs> yes, I love that. Um, so how, where can people find and connect with you? Yes, people can. I'm mostly on Instagram. I TikTok. I struggle with, but I would love to do some more, but my handle is at Lindsay with an A Y distal underscore Artie. Yes. I've been trying to find it, but there was one post that I shared of yours or I sent it to one of my friends and <laughs> was it what I, it wasn't what I eat in a day, cheat days. Oh, that yes. The, the influencers, what I eat in a day. That one was, <laughs> I actually, sometimes I don't know if you have this experience. I spent not that long on that, but I had edited it. Okay. I was cracking up. I, <laughs> Scared that when I put the words, the captions, that it can beep the swear words out. And I was like, this is perfect. I make it PG. Right. And then I released it and <laughs> it actually has the swear words in it. 
I'm like, oh, I, okay, whatever. It's already out. <laughs> oh my so sorry if anybody watches that or you pull up my feed and you go to that <laughs> post, then just beware that it is not PG. Oh, um, I, I'm so happy that you're in this area because there can be a lot of disordered eating for people that are really into their athletic performance. Yes, I agree. Um, it is uh, CrossFit is and any athletics, but just because that's what I I do and see is latent with disordered eating behaviors. My one of my first competitions I was at, I had there's un there's there's standards to look a certain way to have a very low body fat percentage, which just isn't that does not relate to performance outcomes, and people need to be aware of that. That is that's different. That is a beauty standard. That is not a performance standard. But then there's like this other food piece of it that is very upsetting. And I was going to say during one of my first competitions, my teammate came up to me and we did really well on our, our first event, but we just, we didn't come in first place. And she was like, it's cause I ate cake the night before. And that was something that I, at the, that point I went into my car after and I was crying. I was like, this is so sad that this is the message that is playing in somebody's head. It's not because you ate cake. A, we did an amazing job and we really did the best that we can do. But with this, this pressure of having to perform and look a certain way, and then you layer in that relative energy deficiency that is so common you have this starved brain and like all these things in your life can start to boil up from the roots of when you were born. And these thoughts can really dictate. Um, but we try to, what I try to do is separate those thoughts and put the focus on how to get you performing optimally and understand that all these things that are, you're thinking about food that is time that is pulling you away from training for your sport. Right. And also just building a healthier mindset and relationship between the two movement and food with your body. Exactly. Exactly. Any last takeaways for someone um, that maybe still has the mindset of your teammate? (laughs) I just want, people to know that there's another way there's there's another way and you can take that however you want I don't want to say more or less about that but there's another way to view yourself to think about food and to approach nutrition throughout the day I love that well Lindsay thank you so much for all your expertise here it was Fun to hear all about sports nutrition and so much more. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. This was a blast. So did all your questions get answered regarding those supplements and hydration and recovery? I loved hearing Lindsay's story and how she also brought up the culture of 
being an athlete and what they think and trying to debunk these ideas and still going back to her no diet approach. Be sure to follow Lindsay on Instagram and thank you so much for sharing your time here with us on the Daily Dietitian Podcast.